Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. I'm so glad that you are with us today. This is the last week in 10 weeks of walking through teaching on the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad that we've been able to go through this journey together. And two weeks from this weekend, we are launching a new teaching series called Big Problems, Bigger God. It's for those of us who have big problems, anxiety, being overwhelmed, feeling lonely, bored, fears. I mean, big problems that we have. Now, listen, if you're one of those people who everything is perfect in your life and you have no big problems ever at any point in your life, then that teaching series isn't for you. But for the rest of us who have problems in our lives, we are gonna be reminded that though we face big problems, we have a much bigger God. So that teaching series begins in two weeks. And Mariners Online, super easy for you to invite people to join you as you watch. You can just grab the link, text it to friends, email it to friends. This will be a really good time to invite people who you care about, who you love, to study the scripture along with you. Again, that teaching series begins in two weeks. Okay, the last week, we're gonna be in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two. For the last two summers, I have gone whitewater rafting with my family. Last summer, I took my youngest daughter, Evie, to the American River in Northern California. We spent a couple of days together whitewater rafting. Here's a picture from our most famous, our favorite rapid. She's in the very front. She had a blast. We had such a great time. We had such a great time that this summer I decided to take my whole family whitewater rafting. We went to Utah um, and just spent several days together. It was so great whitewater rafting, seeing the beauty, unspoiled nature, enjoying great conversations, loved it. And our tour guide, the guy who was in the boat with us, his name is Chris. And Chris, he was such an amazing tour guide. He thanks us, right, when we get there. Thank you that I don't have to have a regular job, that I get to do this. Thank you for coming and getting on the river today. And then, you know, halfway through the white water, white water rafting trip, he's like, an amazing day. It's always an amazing day when you're on the river. I mean, he's telling us about these different rapids. He's giving us the history. He knows, knows the river, experiences the river. He loves it. So we asked him, what are you doing your day off, man? You seem like you love it. Well, on my day off, I come to the river with some friends. I love this. I love the experience of whitewater rafting and being on the river. Watching Chris reminded me of the difference between a tour guide and a travel agent. Tour guide experiences the adventure, is in the boat with you, knows, experiences the joy of the journey. And then a travel agent, well, they just give you information. Hey, you should consider this trip, or maybe you could go on this trip, or maybe you could go on this trip. A tour guide is different from those travel centers or those tourist centers when you pull into a city or into a national park and somebody can give you some brochures and give you some information. They know lots of info, but they don't necessarily experience the river and experience with joy the journey. And spending a day with Chris on the whitewater rafting tour it, it was challenging for me. 
because I thought about my faith, our faith. And I wondered how often am I more like a travel agent than a tour guide? When it comes to my faith, my relationship with God, my walk with Jesus, am I sometimes like a travel agent where I know information and I can share some information if somebody has a question, if somebody wants a brochure, I can answer a question. Or am I like a tour guide who enjoys the journey with Jesus, who's in the boat, who's inviting people, come on, man, this is the best journey, the best adventure there is, come with me. Are you, as a Christian, more like a travel agent or more like a tour guide? There's a big difference. A travel agent Christian is gonna know some information, but a tour guide Christian is going to experience the faith, experience walking with Jesus, enjoy walking with him and invite other people on the journey too. I want us, Mariner's Church, to be tour guide Christians, folks who experience Jesus and invite other people to get in the boat and go on the journey together. Now, the passage of scripture we're gonna see is, this is about the moment in time, in history, when the Holy Spirit of God changed everything so that we don't have to be just travel agent Christians who know some information, but we can be tour guides who experience him every day, who experience God working within us, walking with us every day. We're gonna see the moment when the Spirit of God enters into the lives of believers, those of us who believe in Jesus for the first time. This moment changed everything. And we're gonna see that for us, those of us who have believed in Jesus, the Spirit of God still changes everything, changes us from being a travel agent to a tour guide. Now, Jesus lets his disciples know that the Spirit is going to come. This is Acts chapter one, verse four through eight. Here's what the scripture says. While he was with them, so while Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which you said you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is really fascinating because Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the promised Holy Spirit. He's told them that the Father has promised the Holy Spirit will enter their lives. And what they wanna talk about is, when are you gonna come back? And is Israel gonna be restored to what she used to be? So they wanna talk about end times. When are you gonna come back? Give us a date, give us a date. Jesus says, guys, it's not about dates and times that I want you to be excited about right now. I want you to be excited that God himself is gonna move into your life. And they wanted to know, when is Israel gonna be restored? They wanted Jesus to use his power to set up an earthly kingdom right there. But Jesus is not about an earthly kingdom. Jesus is about an, a heavenly, eternal, everlasting kingdom. And so Jesus says, what I really want you to be excited about is you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
and you will be my witnesses. Now, he doesn't say you will go witnessing, but you will be my witness. Now, there's nothing wrong with going witnessing, but that's something you do. Jesus says, who you are is gonna change. I'm not talking to you about something you're gonna do. I'm speaking to you about who you are. You're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptized, it actually means to immerse. So when we baptize people at Mariner's Church, we take them under the water, we immerse them in the water. Jesus says, Holy Spirit is going to immerse you. God himself is gonna move into your life. And when that happens, you will be my witnesses and the entire world is going to change. You're gonna be my witnesses. You're not only gonna know information about me, you're gonna take people on a journey you're gonna enjoy and experience God who has moved into your life and you're gonna change the world by inviting people to get into the boat with you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you is what Jesus tells his disciples. Now, we actually see this happen in the next chapter. So Acts chapter two is the moment that changes everything. It's the moment that the church is born. And I want you to see it. We're gonna begin Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, so let's stop here. We'll come back to this verse, but I wanna explain this word Pentecost. So hang with me for a couple of moments because some get wigged out by that word and we should not. But the reason that some people get wigged out by the word Pentecost is maybe you grew up in a church environment or you had some friends that were in a church environment. You hear Pentecostal and you think, okay, is that is that long dresses and no makeup? Or is that people doing things at church like handling snakes and, and things like that? What is, what is Pentecost? What does this word mean? So brace yourself. You know what the word Pentecost means? You ready? I mean, you're gonna get freaked out when I tell you, you know what Pentecost means? Brace yourself. Pentecost means 50, 50. That's what Pentecost means. Pente is five and cost is a, in the original language is a multiple of 10. So five times 10, 50. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. It was an annual Jewish celebration, had so much weight and significance, which I'll explain in a moment, but it was 50 days after another Jewish celebration that also had so much weight and significance. Here's what's beautiful about the Bible. You'll see in the Old Testament before Jesus came, these festivals that they take on so much more meaning and depth when they are fulfilled in Jesus. For example, Passover. Passover was this annual Jewish celebration where they remembered that God rescued them from Egyptian slavery because he told them to take blood of lambs and put them on the doorpost. And when they When they did, the angel of death passed over every Jewish home that had blood of lambs on the doorpost. They were set free from Egypt. They were freed from their Egyptian slavery. Okay, that was Passover in the Old Testament. But when we see Jesus, we find out that he's the fulfillment of the Passover lamb, that Jesus is called the lamb of God. And we don't celebrate today. In fact, we'll take communion together in a couple of moments, the blood of lambs on doorposts. No, we celebrate 
the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb, and his blood was shed for us on the cross. And this did not bring about our freedom from Egypt. No, it brought about our freedom and forgiveness from all of our sin and shame. Passover is better fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus. And so is Pentecost. So Pentecost was 50 days after Passover in the Old Testament. You know, what, what did Pentecost mean? Hang with me because I want to explain and you'll, you'll see some beautiful symbolism here and beautiful weight and depth if you hang with me. In the Jewish culture, Pentecost being, Pentecost being 50 days after Passover was also when God's people would celebrate their first harvest of the year. In this Jewish agricultural society, there was a harvest in the spring at Pentecost and then their bigger harvest was in the fall. And so they would give offerings after their first harvest at Pentecost. They would, it, but it was a symbol that a bigger harvest was coming, that this was a foretaste of the much larger harvest in the fall. Also, Jewish history tells us that the Jewish tradition was that when Moses received the law, which we know happened after Passover, that it was at Pentecost time, which is found in the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, chapter 19, and that when Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, there was all these amazing things that happened when he received the law, the 10 commandments. There was thundering loud noise, there was fire. And Moses came down the mountain with the law written on tablets. But the law always brings death because we haven't been able to keep the law. We, none of us have, we have not been perfect. We haven't obeyed the law. In fact, even the day when the law came down from the mountain, God's people said, we'll keep the law, we'll keep the law, but they couldn't keep the law. And they disobeyed severely on that day and 3,000 people died because the law kills. So Pentecost was the moment when the spirit of God's gonna enter, but I want you to understand the context of what it's 50 days after Passover, that's what Pentecost means, 50 days later, and it had so much weight for them. It was an initial harvest. Pentecost was associated with the giving of the law, with, with fire, with thunder, loud noises, but also with 3,000 people dying, with the spirit, with the law being on the, the, the written tablets. But now the spirit is going to change everything on this Pentecost. Okay, so let's, let's look at this again. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together. So all of these early Christians, they're together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right, so I think you're probably seeing some similar language to the original Pentecost that the Jewish people celebrate every year and this Pentecost. So on this Pentecost, the day that the Spirit descends on God's people was also the foretaste of a bigger harvest. So it was a harvest this day of Pentecost as God pulled people to himself and rescued people, but it was only a foretaste of a much bigger harvest, which we're a part of now. I mean, there's hundreds of people here and then you'll see 3,000 people believe, but now this weekend, 
We'll have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people around the globe who will worship Jesus. So the day of Pentecost was a foretaste for the much bigger harvest that came. Now, you also see on this day of Pentecost, wow, it sounds familiar. There's, there's a thunderstorm, there's fire, there's the shaking that takes place in this passage, just like when the law came down from the mountain. But this time, it's not the law coming down, the Spirit is descending. The law was written on tablets. The Spirit is written on hearts of those of us who believe in Jesus. The law brings death and the Spirit brings life and joy. The law brings death because we couldn't keep it. The Spirit enables us to be able to obey Jesus and the Spirit brings us life. 3,000 people died when the law descended from the mountain, the spirit descends and falls upon believers. And you're gonna see in a moment, guess how many people receive Jesus and become Christian on this day? 3,000 people. The Bible's amazing. We are seeing that the spirit entering the lives of believers changes absolutely everything. This is so beautiful. Now, some of us get uh, tripped up a bit on this passage because we see we see tongues, like what is this? There's tongues of fire. So the word for tongues in the original language, it's the word glossolalia, which what is it? What word does that sound like? Glossolalia in, in the English language. Glossolalia sounds like, like glossary. Glossolalia means or can be translated languages. So on this day in Acts chapter two, the spirit descends, there are a whole bunch of people from different parts of the world and they started speaking in languages where they could understand one another. This is the reversing of the Tower of Babel, which was in the first, first book in the Bible when God's, when, when people decided they wanna earn their way to God and they build this massive tower, they all had one language and they're trying to build a tower to God, but God confuses their languages and they can't understand one another because they were trying to earn their way to God, build their way to God. Now, Acts chapter two, the spirit, we don't earn our way to him, he comes here for us. The spirit descends and it's a reversing of Babel because everybody can understand one another. The languages were heard. This was a beautiful miracle that was taking place as God was bringing people together as his sons and daughters into this brand new people that he is creating us, the people of God. And so this was an amazing event that took place. And so it was, it was so amazing. Notice what happens next. There were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. So God's bringing the nations together. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So God is allowing everyone to be together as one. They were astonished and amazed saying, look, aren't all of these speaking Galileans? How is it that each of them can hear them in his own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pygeria and Palmia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues, so in our own languages. They were all astonished and perplexed, saying to one another, 
what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. So a beautiful scene as God brings people from all these different nations together as the spirit descends upon God's people. And they have received life because the spirit brings life and they are filled with joy. They're filled with so much joy that some people looked at them and said, man, what are they drinking? Man, they're so happy. They are filled with such zeal and life. What is it that they're having? And so some people sneered at them, which still happens today. Today, this still happens. Some people will believe the message that us Christians hold to and others will think we're absolutely crazy. But those who are curious and want to believe, they will want to believe because they see in us people who have experienced the grace and goodness of God and they'll wonder, what is he having? What is she having? Well, what they were having is the spirit of God entered their lives and they were together, there was unity, and there was joy, and there was life, because the Spirit of God changed everything, and they experienced, they experienced Him. And the people were so curious that Peter, one of the disciples, stood up and then declared the message of Jesus. And we now know that 3,000 people are converted. Remember when the law came, 3,000 people died. Spirit comes, 3,000 people are changed. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 38 and 41. Peter replied to the crowd who was asking, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. The spirit changed everything. Peter, Peter was able to speak about the grace of Jesus because the spirit of God had entered Peter's life and everything for Peter changed. Now, what I want you to see is that we have exactly the same experience. Those of us who are Christians, the Spirit has entered our lives. The Spirit has united people from different backgrounds together as one because we all are one the same way through the blood of Jesus. We are all unified the same way because the Spirit of God has entered our lives. And Peter was sent to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with these people, and you are sent to. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're no longer a travel agent Christian who just cognitively knows some information. No, the Spirit has entered your life. You've experienced Him. You've tasted that He is good, and He has sent you to share His goodness with other people. Just as Peter was sent, you are sent. So the Spirit was sent into Peter to send Peter, and the Spirit was sent to you to send you. The Spirit was sent to you to send you. When you said yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit of God entered your life. He was sent into you, and now you are sent because the Spirit has been sent to you. Now, you, maybe you're thinking, Oh, come on, man. You're talking about Peter. He's one of Jesus' disciples. I mean, I'm not, I'm a regular person. 
I'm not like Peter. My name's not in the Bible. There's no way I'm sent like Peter. I can't do what, what Peter did, but I want you to see, I want you to be reminded about, about Peter. See, Peter, when he walked next to Jesus, why Jesus walked this earth, Peter did amazing things. He walked on water. He gave bold answers to questions. He was a part of miracles. He participated with Jesus. So when Peter and Jesus are next to each other, Peter is bold. But then Jesus is led away to be crucified and Peter without Jesus. So Peter and Jesus not next to each other. Peter is is a coward. He's a coward. People ask Peter, hey, weren't you the one who was with Jesus? And Peter's like, nah, Man, I don't even know that guy. I, I, am not, I am not with Jesus at all. Peter, when he's not next to Jesus, is a coward. When he's next to Jesus, he is bold. But then, Holy Spirit of God enters Peter's life, and the same guy who just weeks before, the same guy who weeks before said he didn't even know Jesus, is now standing up in front of a large crowd and 3,000 people are getting in the boat with Peter saying, let's go on this journey. Peter was radically changed. Why? Not because of his grit, not because of his goodness, not because of his intellect, not because he knew how to be a great public speaker, not because of him. Peter was changed and he changed the world because the Spirit of God moved into Peter's life. And the Spirit of God, if you are a Christian, has moved into your life. The Spirit was sent to you to send you. You have been sent. You're like, I I have a regular job. You've been sent there. I live in a regular neighborhood. You've been sent there. I go to a regular school. You've been sent there. The Spirit was sent into you to send you. I've learned so much about living sent by watching my wife, Kay. So when we were in Miami, I was the executive pastor at a church, a a, a Christian church there in in Miami. And this church I was pastoring had a school. And my wife was a school teacher. She had been a public school teacher in Cincinnati where we lived before we moved to Miami. So everybody assumed that Kay is going to teach school at the church school where I'm the executive pastor, where where I'm on staff. I mean, of course she's going to teach there. So Kay, my wife, comes to me and says, um, baby, the Spirit is telling me I'm not to teach at our church school. And I'm like, wow, okay, th- this is going to cause people to raise their eyebrows. I mean, why would you not teach at the, at the place that I'm in charge of? Kay's like, I'm not supposed to teach here. This is not where I'm supposed to teach. And I, I said, baby, I'll support you. I'm with you. I want you to do whatever it is that God is leading you to do. And so Kay started to drive around Miami. She had a whole bunch of copies of her resume and drop them off at schools where she was gonna um, apply to be a teacher. She started getting calls from some of these schools offering her a job. And she said no over and over again because she tells me the Spirit has told me that's not the school that I have designated for you to teach at which sounds awesome, but at this point in our marriage, we need Kay's salary to make our budget work. So I'm like, baby, I mean, at some point, you know, the school year is gonna start and we need your job. We need your job. Well, there was one school that she believed the Spirit of God was confirming in her, this is where I sent you. Now, 
they had no openings and Kay was gonna be the only white person at that school. She was gonna be the only one, many who spoke Spanish, but she believed that this is where God wanted her to teach. And a couple of days before the school year began, Kay got a job offer from that school and spent her years teaching in Miami at this school, which was an incredible school where she met incredible people, where she believed the Spirit of God sent her to that school. And some of the people she met at that school by the Holy Spirit of God working in my wife at that school became Christian during the time of Kay teaching there. Leah and Laika, this incredible mother-daughter who I met, who got plugged into our church. Kay was the teacher of that family and, and loved that family well. Kay was sent to that school for people like Leah and Laika, two teachers that she taught alongside, Michelle and Patrice, who got plugged into our church, these incredible people. Kay listened to the Spirit, was sent to that school to represent Jesus in that school. And you have been sent as well. You've been sent. The Spirit has been sent into you to send you. So maybe you've thought, you know, what, what would my neighborhood be like if Jesus lived here? What would my neighborhood be like? If Jesus lived in my neighborhood, what would it be like? How would he treat people? How would he love people? How would he serve people? Jesus lives in your neighborhood. He does because Jesus lives within you. The Spirit was sent into you to send you. Jesus lives in your neighborhood because you live in your neighborhood and Jesus lives in you. Maybe you've asked, what would, what would my job site be like if Jesus worked here? If Jesus worked here, what would it be like around here? How would people treat one another? Or what would Jesus act like here? How would he treat people? What kind of employer would he be? Or what kind of employee would he be? What kind of, what kind of boss or leader? What kind of teammate would he be? What would work be like if Jesus worked there? He does. He does. Jesus is there because Jesus is with you and you've been sent there. You've been sent there. The Spirit was sent to you to send you. So you are not, you are not a travel agent who just knows some information about Jesus. No, you're a tour guide. The Spirit of God has moved into your life. You now experience God. You experience the life and the joy. The Spirit of God who brings life has moved in. The Spirit of God who brings life has moved into your life. And so there'll be people around you. Some will think you're crazy, just like they thought these early Christians were. But some are really curious and want to know, what is it that he's having? What is it that she's having? The Spirit sent into you to send you to answer that question, to prompt that question in other people so that they will be invited by you into the incredible adventure of knowing and enjoying God. The Spirit was sent into you to send you. We are, as we wrap up our time together, going to take communion. We talked about Pentecost, that special day. It was always a special day, but it became more special when the Spirit was sent. And Passover was a special day as God's people remembered that they were liberated from Egyptian slavery, but the cross of Jesus is the more significant, the more special day. Because on the cross, the blood of Jesus was shed 
so that we could be set free from our sin and our shame. And so we wanna take a moment today and remember the cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed for us. When Jesus was with his disciples on the night he was betrayed, he said, from now on, when you take this meal, this Passover meal that they used to take, it's gonna mean something more. From now on, this bread, it's gonna represent my body my body which is bruised and battered and beaten for you. And on the cross, in his flesh, Jesus absorbed all of your sin and all of your shame. So those of us who have believed in him, there's no more sin left on us at all. There's no sin left on us because it all was placed on Jesus for us. So this symbolizes his body, take and eat. Jesus, thank you for offering yourself for us on the cross, that there's no sin and shame left on us, that it's all placed on you. The pure and holy one of God, Jesus, thank you. Jesus also took the cup. He said, this is the new cup. This is my covenant. This is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, people from all over the world who believe in Jesus have their sins forgiven. The blood of Jesus. The blood of lambs led to freedom from Egypt. The blood of Jesus leads to our complete freedom. This is my blood, take and drink. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. After Jesus took communion that very first time with his disciples, he was changing the Passover to something more significant. The scripture says that they sang, they sang. Because when we understand all that Jesus has done for us, we wanna sing. Let's sing together. All right. Extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them. I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.